0: Hello, my friends. I have a heart-to-heart conversation with Barbara Kay. She's a columnist for the National Post. She's also Jewish, and like me, she's shocked at what has happened overseas, but more, she's shocked by the response around the world, the embrace of the barbarity and cruelty. We'll talk about this. Let me invite you to become a subscriber to Rebel News Plus. It's a video version of our conversation. Just go to rebelnewsplus.com and click subscribe. It's 8 bucks a month. All right, here's today's show. Tonight, has the golden age for Jews in Canada come to an end? I'll talk with my friend Barbara Kay. It's October 25th, and this is the Ezra Levant Show. <laughs> You sensorious bug! Or not the Nazis had limits. They did not disclose the full extent of their Holocaust. They didn't use the word death camps. They called them prison camps or work camps. In fact, if you look at the entrance to Auschwitz, to this day you can see the iron wrought gate. This the wrought iron gate that says Arbeit macht frei, work will set you free, a dark joke for those who were about to be exterminated there, but it was a way of saying to the outward world, this is not as horrific as you may think. In fact, the Nazis prepared a propaganda video about what was going on in one of the death camps, I think it was Theresienstadt, and they had a kind of Potemkin village. They showed people being well-fed. They showed that, uh, you know, yes, it was a prison, but like normal prisons, people were taken care of. There was first aid, and certainly, certainly, no one was being murdered. And the reason the Nazis did this, I believe, is because although they certainly indulged in anti-Semitism of the worst variety in public and they marshaled hatred by directing hatred at the Jews and blaming the eternal Jew, the global Jew, for all the problems, they knew that underneath it all, ordinary Germans had a basis of Christian morality left, a basis of civilization. Germany, remember, was one of the most modern, progressive, educated, cultured countries in the world. And had they known the depth of depravity, the mass murder, the diabolical plans, the satanic plans of Hitler, I think perhaps even they would have rebelled. And when Eisenhower and the Allies uh, liberated concentration camps, he directed local townspeople to walk through. The concentration camps so that they would be forced to confront what had happened just miles away from their homes for years and many of them were shocked some of them in fact seeing what had happened in their communities committed suicide local germans who did not know the depths of the depravity and in that way hamas is different because rather than hiding the depth of their depravity they live streamed it they were instructed to publicize it they were instructed to be as brutal as possible, to torture. They were instructed the ways in which to torture, to rape and to deform and to cut off heads and fingers and toes and other parts. Hamas, in that way, I put it to you, is worse than the Nazis, and what's even worse is rather than that causing so much of the Muslim world to recoil, I'm sure it has for some, But hundreds of thousands, perhaps millions around the world, including here in Canada, upon seeing this depravity, went out in the streets and rejoiced. Joining us now to talk about this is our friend Barbara Kay, senior columnist at the National Post, whose latest column is called The Insidious Hatred That Spawned the Holocaust and Hamas's latest Pukrum. Barbara, nice to see you again.
1: Thanks, Ezra. Thanks for having me.
0: Well, um. The shock I feel from what I saw some 18 or 19 days ago was not just my concern for the state of Israel, which I love as a democracy, and it's the ethnic homeland of Jews, but rather the depths of the barbarity, which I, I, I couldn't process, and I still have trouble processing. And it, it wasn't a Palestinian plan A or plan B or one-state solution or two states. It wasn't, it wasn't a, a political haggle. It was the most anti-human diabolical thing I'd ever seen in my life. Mm-hmm. It was as if the Yad Vashem Holocaust Museum had come to life in full color and much worse. I think what hit me so hard two and a half weeks ago was not the threat to Israel and a democracy and not even the death toll, but the jubilation of the cruelty. And that's with me still. I, I'm reeling from that. I can't believe it. I'd like you to talk now because I'm, I'm emoting. I'm just sh- plainly saying how I feel. But that's an important thing to, to clock, isn't it?
1: It's, uh, it's very hard to process. Uh, I, I think that Jews of our generation, my generation, in their wildest dreams could not imagine uh, that this would be happening again and uh, seeing Einsatzgruppen uh, invading Israel, uh, which we thought was totally secure, that that was the one place where Jews would be safe, um i'm finding it very difficult to see that jubilation uh it's it's um it's very sickening and it reminds me very much of the scenes that we heard about and saw a little bit of uh when isis uh, some years ago and the islamic state was rampaging through syria and iraq um, and uh, burning people alive and dropping people caged into the river to drown and it, I mean the 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 sadism, the sadism of the way they kill people was extremely shocking and to me a Hamas is ISIS. They have the same values, they have the same goals uh, so it's terrible and of course it's made all the worse by, as you say, seeing scenes of Muslims rejoicing around the world but even worse than that Seeing students and uh, non-Muslims who are rejoicing with them and talking about any means necessary uh, as a form of uh, resistance. They call it resistance. They call it a response to uh, colonial colonization, uh, so that uh, anything that resists colonization, um, you can forget about morality. You can forget about you know, uh, basic human decency, uh, that it's all it's all tolerable, or it certainly is when Jews are the uh, are the are the victims. I don't remember anybody uh, when ISIS was rampaging through the Middle East. I don't remember anybody on this side of the world that was uh, rejoicing with them or saying, yeah, those people had it coming or we're on their side or anything like that. And yet here, this is the same. And I I just would like to add to what you, your eloquent introduction, uh, you know, as you say, Hitler did make an attempt to, to sort of say, well, oh, no, 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 it's, it's not death camps to work camps. Um, Hitler's ambitions were only, only to kill all the Jews in Europe. Uh, Hamas's plan or wish and Hezbollah um, is to kill all the Jews in the world, that's in their charter. They would like to eliminate all the Jews in the world. So in, in fact, their ambitions are bigger um, and wider. And uh, we are all, all Jews in all countries of the world where supporters of these uh, ugly uh, ideologies are present. Um Our targets, we're targets as much as the people in Israel. So this was never about colonization. This is Jew hatred, pure and simple, uh, dressed up as colonization.
0: You know, I remember some of the atrocious videos of ISIS, and and social media was certainly not as developed back then as it is now. But I remember seeing a cell phone video of an ISIS terrorist cannibalizing, cutting Mm -hmm. out the heart of a victim and eating it. It, it was the most shocking, th- it was a snuff film, and I, I part of me wishes I never looked at it. I remember ISIS lining up Coptic Christians in a row and slitting their throats. Slitting their throats was their preferred method of death. Um, they actually didn't uh, torture and abuse the bodies as much as uh, Hamas did in in Southern Israel although I understand the ISIS terrorists in the Bataclan nightclub in Paris did, a, did atrocious torture and dismemberment and disfigurement to their victims. But here's the thing about the Bataclan club in Paris where 130 people were murdered by ISIS, and about the Coptic Christians, and about the more moderate, sorry, not moderate, more the, the, the less extremist or fundamentalist Muslims that ISIS killed in Syria and Iraq, about the Yazidis that ISIS killed, ISIS mass raped the Yazidis,
1: sex slaves. They were they took them as sex slaves and kept them for months, yeah. years, and they said that was that was allowed to them.
0: Uh, I, I had the terrible experience of interviewing one such rape slave. Um, they had open air slave markets. Here's the thing, ISIS was. In some ways, as bad as Hamas. And yet there, there was no jubilation. What is the difference? Why was there no jubilation at Harvard and University of Toronto and in Mississauga's Gaza Plaza? Why was there no jubilation when ISIS slit the throats of the Coptic Christians, when ISIS slit the throats in the Bataclan? What is the commonality amongst all those cases and what's the difference in the case we're here to talk about today? The, I Jews.
1: Think, the Jews. Yeah, it's the Jews. I mean let's 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 say it. And and there's a lot of pent up uh the, the, the universities have been uh incubating this Jew hatred in the form of anti-Zionism and pretending that it's no it's not about it's not about Jews. It's about Israel. Israel is this evil entity uh, because they represent uh uh the you know this imperial colonate what what whatever but it never was it never was about that it was it was always about jew hatred and these people that support uh hamas um people that are not even muslim but that have been indoctrinated into the cult of uh, jew hatred through uh through you know, uh, the university's ideology of intersectionality and all that other crap. Um, they've been groomed to Jew hatred and that it's okay, that it's okay to hate you because Jews represent an evil, um, I mean, they call it Zionism, but it, it's not. It, it, it's just pure, uh, Jews don't have the right to their state. They don't have the right to have their own, pe- their homeland. Like other people, they don't have the right to anything. They don't have the right to live. They, they uh, I it it's that simple. And and yet their narrative is the one that um, the media, much of the media, not all, thank God, um, are glomming onto as well. It's understandable because of seventy five years of oppression. That is never understandable. I I, I don't care even if it was seventy five years of oppression, which it has not been, uh, to to be able to have that come out of your mouth, beheading babies, raping children, killing their parents in front of their eyes, roping parents together with their children and then setting them on fire, burning them to death. Uh, How in the name of God can this, this, be something that you're allowed to do if you feel you've been oppressed.
0: And and that's the astonishing thing, is that all the caring people, the anti-hate people, the Canadian Anti-Hate Network, the Canadian Race Relations Foundation, every single province and territory has something called a Human Rights Commission. I have not heard from any any of these people who care about a microaggression. Uh-oh, trigger warning, microaggressions, what about these monstrous aggressions? What about hatred so brutal it it calls for the extermination? Well, from the river to the sea is code for kill every Jew between the Jordan River and the Mediterranean. It's a call We're for trying. extermination. And yeah. I have not seen a single person who for my entire life has called themselves the nice people, the, the human rights people. We care more than you, we tol- we're we more tolerant than you. We're here to chide you. If you conservatives take one step outside of our preconceived notion of what you should say, we're gonna call you Nazis. Here's actual Nazis and not a word from these people. In fact, these people are the ones who are the most hateful. The diversity, inclusion, and equity people are the ones propagating the hatred. it It's stunning to me. And as you pointed out, it's not just Muslim immigrants to Canada. It is white, woke leftists too.
1: Mm-hmm. I, I, that's a huge part of it. Uh, you see them walking in, in, in demonstrations. Uh, I saw a clip of uh, some smug white students who were at the university tearing down pictures of the hostages. Pictures of the hostages. How is this? How is this something that's offensive to them? That these are innocent hostages and they're actually tearing down their pictures off the wall and looking very smug as they do it, like righteous. See what we're doing? Because these are Israeli hostages. Anything that anything that hurts Isra- Israeli citizens or Israeli, they' they're down with that. Uh, we have a s- serious soul-searching to do. These universities have some, I mean, they won't, but but they should be aghast at what their own students are doing. They're supposed to be able to, as you say, inclusion, safety. I don't feel safe. I got misgendered. I don't feel safe. This is taken very seriously. Um, Jews have not felt safe in universities where there's a significant Jewish population for decades. And they have been begging the universities to help them uh, to create an environment in which they do. And, And it's very clear that the environment that is making them feel unsafe is this relentless uh, pro-Palestinian, uh, these groups, you know, solidarity for Palestine and all these groups that support them um, and their, their apartheid uh, weeks and uh, uh, the relentless campaign to demonize Israel. Um, it's It is now spilled over and it has created in the students that they have – uh, brought, uh, seduced into their narrative of how they're the most oppressed people in the world. Uh, it They have been indoctrinated to believe, maybe they don't even know it themselves until they see themselves jubilant about this situation, you know, that, to, that hating Jews is okay, because Jews are hyper-privileged white people. White people, of course, are, are you know, you don't worry about them Anything that ha- bad that happens to them, but Jews are the worst of the white people. They're hyper privileged This is the message that Jewish students have been getting.
0: Um, you know anyone who would t- like they they kidnap babies. they kidnap two year olds. they kidnap three year olds, but actual babies and and they took them back into Gaza. And the thing about kidnapping a baby is you've got a prisoner who you can hold on to for fifty years. You know, they kidnap <laughs> some some people in their 80s and 90s, but they took babies, obviously for human shields. If you're willing to take your own Palestinian children as human shields and put your rocket launchers in schools to uh, either deter an Israeli airstrike or to welcome one so you have a PR incident, imagine the cruelty they're gonna do to these children. And they killed the children on purpose, obviously. To kill a child, especially, practically a newborn, shows that there's no politics involved. There's no, well, you did that, or you committed this moral sin. It is literally, if you look at the root of the word genocide, you're trying to eradicate the entire genetics. You're trying to destroy every single human being. It's Stone Age stuff.
1: Well, it is, because they say, their their line is, well, every civilian has to go into the army in Israel, and therefore... Even a two-year-old child is going to grow up to one day be a soldier who's going to oppress us. I mean, this is, but it makes me think about our own tradition. Uh, how the Pharaoh, you know, who said these Hebrews—they're—they're—they're—they're uh, they're, they're, they're becoming too numerous, and so they said, "Kill the firstborn boy uh, from every family." That was—that was going to be uh, the Pharaoh's solution to the problem of this tribe that was he was nervous about getting too numerous amongst us. Um, and it does feel like we're back to 3,000, at least 3,000 years ago uh, or more. This is the kind of thinking, this is the kind of tribal, um, you know, we cannot have these people amongst us. They're too numerous, they're too strong, they're too this, they're too that. And uh, that is that. That is something that the Jews have served as this kind of a scapegoat not just for the pharaohs and then for the romans and then for i mean it's been it's been our history we're still trying to figure out why what what did we do that was so terrible (laughs) i don't know but um here we are scapegoats again and in a very brutal sadistic horrible way and the people that support these animals these nazis i call it a form of pathological altruism they think that they are supporting uh resistance fighters freedom fighters uh, people that are oppressed, they have just simply, they're ignorant, uh, but they want to be in on something revolutionary. This is what young people thirst to be part of a revolution. They want to see blood run in the streets. They don't want it to be their blood, but they 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 get, uh, to me, I don't know, Ezra, I maybe call me a little crazy, but there is something in human nature that gets an erotic thrill. This is like this is like uh, uh, this this willingness to see this kind of depraved uh, bloodlust manifest itself. I think there's a kind of erotic component to it for a lot of young people who say, This is this is my revolution. I'm I'm in on this, I'm in on something very exciting. And one Cornell professor, I don't know if you read about him, told <laughs> a pro- Palestinian, a pro-Palestine rally that he found the pogrom exhilarating
0: mm-hmm. yeah. uh, and energizing. I saw yeah. that, and that was a black professor. Imagine, imagine if he had seen the beating of a black slave or a lynching. Imagine, imagine someone whose historic lineage in America during slavery may have seen a lynching. Imagine coming full circle to be erotically aroused by death pornography by a snuff film
1: it That's is like it were. isn't a snuff film yeah it, it is. is well
0: it is literally a snuff film you know it's funny i'm thinking again about how the nazis who were atrocious obviously I mean, that is the that is the defining yardstick for how atrocious you are, but what do you do if that yardstick's not big enough? Think of the the neo Nazis or the white supremacists who marched in Charlottesville, Virginia, six years ago with their tiki torches and their khaki pants, and they were chanting, um, uh we will not be erased or we will not be replaced or some, the Jews do not control us or something like that. Like it was, it was uh, racism about, you know, they, they said something, about, I can't remember what it was exactly, but it was they just, did,
1: they said all those things. It's true. I remember. Yes.
0: And, and, and the, you know, basically they indicated that this was a racial battle for them. They didn't like the Jews much. They didn't like non-whites, but other than expressing their racism, they didn't say so violent revolution and kill all the Jews. So from the river to the sea, kill all the Jews. So um, let's have a violent Intifada, violent revolution. Like in, in the streets of Toronto, in front of the Israeli consulate last week, there was one of their chants was um, Intifada revolution. I forget, the, but they were talking about revolution. They were talking about violence. They were talking about riots. Um, they're talking about martyrs. So they're they're not just saying, we hate Jews. We hate Jews. We hate Jews. They're saying, we hate Jews. Obviously, that's a given. That's the starting point. So now what? So now what? From the river to the sea. um, Now what? Violent intifada revolution. So they were moving to action. The global condemnation of a couple hundred white guys in khaki pants saying, we hate the Jews, we hate the Jews, full full stop. They didn't say, so now we're going to go kill them, compared to 100,000 in London, England, last Saturday. Thousands in Toronto and Montreal who went the next step. And the New York Times is running defense for Hamas, um, blood libeling the Israeli defense forces. They just rehired their key Gaza reporter who's publicly praised Hitler, but they said he's being very objective in his reporting this time. So where are all the people who condemned Charlottesville? And by the way, I condemn Charlottesville too. I'm a Jew. I don't like when people say we hate Jews. But... <laughs> But where is everybody? The last example, here in Toronto, there's a restaurant with a Jewish Jewish lineage called Cafe Mm -hmm. Landwer. It's it's just a name. Started in Berlin in 1919. The family had to, to flee the Nazis. Now there's this chain of restaurants. It's a pretty good restaurant. It's got nothing to do with Israel or Hamas or Gaza, it, it's just a restaurant, but it was known as a Jewish place. And so you had Palestinian uh, pro-Hamas r- r- supporters outside. So this is a Zionist place. Imagine if you had Tiki Torque bearing uh, white Nazis outside Cafe Landwehr or mm-hmm. outside a mosque or a Muslim shawarma place. You would have the whole country uh, on, in DEFCON 1 or whatever. Um, where's everybody? Where's everybody, Barbara? Oh, that's
1: a good question. Where's our emergency act? I mean, no, uh, didn't yeah. they, uh, it, uh, you know, uh, honking trucks got us an emergency act, and uh, this is uh, people that are screaming a slogan, you know, Free Palestine means kill all the Jews. Really, uh, we know that. Everybody knows that. But they pretend that it's just, uh, an, you know, oh, they that means they want to negotiate for a two-state solution. Not. That's, that's at least at least we can uh, dispense with the depraved hypocrisy that really, uh, if only they had their own state, or if only they had the right, uh, you know, they'd gotten the right offer of of a decent state of their own. That this wouldn't have arisen. Hmm. Uh, at least we know the truth; it's been laid bare. But nobody's reacting as if the truth has been laid bare they're they're reacting as though well we need to we need to have a ceasefire we need to both sides both sides mm-hmm. you know we don't want to have more violence we don't want to have disproportionate response which they by the way started saying 2 minutes after it was re- the pogrom was revealed uh they started saying there's we're we're feeling grief yeah. over the disproportionate response that we know is coming. Yeah. Like they that had, nothing had even started yet. There had been no response. And already they were changing the narrative to poor us. Yeah. We're going to be leaving, yeah.
0: You know, the late Norm McDonald, um the Canadian comedian uh, who was on Saturday Night Live and did some movies, he, he had a tweet, uh, I think seven years ago, going from memory, he said, um, what if Al-Qaeda or ISIS detonated a bomb and uh, killed fifty million Americans. Boy, uh, the the backlash against innocent Muslims. I'm really worried about that. But that that's the joke. I mean, I, sometimes you have to laugh. Uh, the Babylon Bee had a had a meme. You know, Admiral Hiro, Emperor Hirohito calls for a ceasefire right after oh. hitting Pearl Harbor. Like, <laughs> uh, no one said to America in the after the ashes of 9-11, hey, ceasefire guys, don't respond disproportionately. No one said that to Russia after the Beslan slaughter. No, I mean, I don't know any other country in the world that is told, hey, have a ceasefire, don't be disproportionate now. I mean, I am not opposed to the fact that the allies in the Second World War burnt Tokyo, nuked Hiroshima and Nagasaki, burnt Dresden, because those were strategic decisions at the time that were decided by the, the commanders of the responding uh, militaries that this will bring war to a close more quickly. And, and I don't know if the sneaker, uh, the sneak attackers of Japan are in a position to say don't hit civilian centers. And I don't know if, if Nazi Germany was in a position to say don't firebomb Dresden I don't yeah, know. well, I mean,
1: I mean, you mentioned Japan. I, I did mention it in a, in a previous column. I said I think the attitude has to be: look, we're dealing with uh, it's a very different, obviously a different culture and a different uh, war and a different time. But, but the Japanese had the same um, fanaticism and fight to the death and beyond. They were not going to surrender. They had that. They had that. Uh, Kind of fanaticism. Well, the
0: kamikaze was a, it was yeah, a suicide bomb. Yeah,
1: okay, so it was more honorable to die fighting for your country than to surrender to because they were racist and they were, you know, uh, they hate for, I don't even know why they hated the Americans, but anyways, they did. Uh, Israel should be looking at Hamas through those eyes that they're dealing with people that are, you cannot reason with them. You cannot say, look, uh, we don't want to have to destroy you know uh, half your infrastructure and all of that uh but we're going to if you don't you know they'll never they'll, they'll they'll fight to the last fighter and they'll fight to the last civilian and the civilians will be part of their so israel doesn't need to have a nuclear weapon to uh to destroy hamas but they they a lot of blood will be spilled doing it and w- that's tragic that that is tragic that that's the only way to get rid of this uh toxic horrible ISIS like look alike uh Hamas and it's the only way to tell other players in the region um that Israel has this this is this is a new era uh there's no more no more ceasefires no more although i hear that that uh, they're thinking very carefully about delaying the invasion, uh, which, you know, they they got to have all their ducks in a row. But I guess we're on the same page with this. Um, This is an enemy that is, uh, there is no placating. There's no offer you could make. There's no reasonable offer you could make. Uh, This is hatred, pure and simple. So there has to be a response uh, that allows Israel to say, we have to consider our own security. We have to consider our own survival. Uh, international law allows or what, you know, what would be a proportionate response to uh, we'll rape the same number of women, we'll kill the same number of uh, Gaza babies. Like you can't, there's nothing is, nothing in international law says that the numbers or the type of response has to be the same. You, You know, proportionate means that you have to do only so much as you need to do to cover your objectives. And the objective in this case is to finish off Hamas.
0: So well, there's nothing in there's nothing in the laws of war that call for pur- proportionality. Um, what started after Pearl Harbor, Pearl Harbor was several thousand dead and several ships sunk. What that unleashed was millions dead. There, there was no proportionality there. Uh, in the end, um, you know the the death count across Europe was in the tens of millions. There was no proportionality. That's, I don't even think that's part of the laws of war you don't deliberately target civilians but neither do you defend from civilian areas look I'm not an expert in the laws of war but we don't even have to be so grandiose let me let me point out something that's been irritating me for a week Justin Trudeau hastily um said that a an explosion at a hospital mm. that was originally reported to have 500 casualties and destroying that hospital yeah he was asked what he had to say about the fact that Israel did it, and he condemned it. Mm-hmm. He didn't use the word Israel in his answer, but the word Israel was in the question, so it was, it was obvious. A week later, or four days later, after everyone else in the world realized that it, there was no Israeli attack on the place, thank God it, that hospital was not destroyed, there were not 500 casualties, there was a fire in the parking lot that was likely caused by a Palestinian rocket. So Trudeau, his cabinet minister on a Saturday night, says, oh yeah, it wasn't Israel. But Trudeau's original tweet called for accountability, there must be accountability, he said. Okay, so now we know who did it, where's the accountability? Exactly. Every single day, there have been rockets shot from Gaza into Israel. Incredibly, after 17 days, they're still able to muster hundreds of rockets being shot a day. That's astonishing and troubling to me. There's no comment or condemnation of that by Trudeau or by anyone. There's no protests against that. And that's, that's what makes me so sad. I'm not, I mean, I'm, I'm sad for Israel because it's a democracy and I have an ethnic solidarity with them because I'm a Jew, but I'm a Canadian first. I'm fourth generation Canadian. This is my home. I have no intention of going anywhere else. But for the first time in my life, I wonder just how safe it is here for me or for the next generation because there are thousands of people on the streets braying for the death of Jews, not of Israelis somewhere overseas, but of Jews and targeting Jews here and threatening Jews at Jewish schools here. And there was a, someone in Kingston who was charged with uh, attempting to ram his car into a pro-Israel rally. And, and I, what strikes me is the stunning silence from authorities. Olivia Chow, to her credit, Uh, after some missteps made a pretty good pro-Israel statement. Uh, The mayor of Edmonton did not. He lit up the bridge in that town in the Hamas colors. Um, Mayor of Mississauga is deeply in bed with Islamists. Um, I think that so many leaders, so many premiers, so many MPs have absolutely gone silent on this and, and that's terrifying to me. And I wonder how scared I should be and I don't know the answer, and I don't know if there's any good answer.
1: Uh, yeah, I, I, I try not to be paranoid, but I, th- I think uh, we do, We should be concerned. You know, uh, the Jews in France and England and uh, in Holland, uh, they they have been scared for good reason. Uh, there have been attacks, and there have been killings, and there have been really some gruesome inc- incidents. It's been going on for more than 25 years. And I don't know what's wrong with people here that they would sit and look at what's going on in Europe and and say to themselves, "Oh, that's their problem, that's their problem. That's not going to be our our problem. Yeah. Uh, I I don't get it, and I think it will be our problem, maybe not, God forbid, to the extent that it has been um, in in Europe and and some of the tragedies uh, in in France that you alluded to. Um, so we, uh, I think we we're only seeing the start of something very dark. Here yeah. in Canada, and in the United States, but more in Canada uh, because the United States is a very big country, and I think the uh, the numbers of people that they have to worry about. Yeah, there's students and there's, but the actual activists, uh, they're they're confined, I think, mostly to the universities. Um, they have they they can easily handle I think any security problems even though there could be incidents but Canada um, I think there's an awful lot of uh, people on the left who are extremely gullible and, and and who have been happy to and we have a government that is extremely reluctant to uh, recognize that there is uh, in this country. There are people in government, in institutions, in unions uh, that are promoting uh, a very pernicious uh, line of patter. Uh, So I I am certainly worried about what could be coming down the pike. Um, And I don't like to be a false alarmist, but I don't like what I'm seeing in the government. The equivocation um, amongst the cabinet, there should not be equivocation on this. This is a terrorist organization. uh, And... I don't like the fact that other heads of state have been very reassuring to Israel. They've gone to visit Israel. Um, they've they've expressed solidarity. Uh, our prime minister has said as little as he can. He did make one statement, you know, uh, expressing sympathy with Israel. But apart from that, he's kept a very low profile. Well,
0: I, uh, I mean, I love Canada and I should have faith in my fellow Canadians. And I know that the majority of Canadians do not support this. I think that... Um, Most Canadians are not street activists. Most normal Canadians don't go out and protest. I find it astonishing. Some of these protests, um, people have a Taliban flag just kicking around. People have a... I mean, they just have it ready for the great moment. And um, I find that terrifying. Um, I've got to think that not only old stock Canadians are shocked by what they're seeing, but many other newcomers here, not just... um, you know, other races and religions. But I've I got to imagine many Muslims don't like what they see, but maybe they're afraid to speak up. And if Justin Trudeau won't condemn it, well, why would they? If he, if, and I can imagine, I, I don't I, I think leadership from the top matters. And Thank I've you. seen in the United Kingdom, they have a terrible problem on their streets. But every day I see another senior cabinet minister and the prime minister there himself, you know, the immigration ministers say they'll deport non-citizen racists. I, I see um, their equalities minister denounce this. Uh, there like so many different cabinet ministers, including this my, minorities like Rishi Sunak, Suella Braverman, Kemi Badenoch. Yeah. They, like th- those are all either new immigrants or from immigrant families. And they are hard line against the Islamic extremism in the streets. And we have not seen the same thing in our country and I find it depressing, but I don't want to be too depressed. You know, the Jews uh, have a saying, Lechayim, which means to life. And I know that the Catholics also say where there's life, there's hope. And so no matter how dark it is, and, and these really are forces of darkness on the other side that prefer martyrdom to life, I think we have to keep, keep our hope. And we have to remember that Canada is a great place, and that most of our neighbors actually are appalled by this. And, and, I,
1: and to the, to speak, sorry to interrupt you, but I just wanted to add to speak to that very idea. I, I don't want to give a negative impression that nobody seems that I believe that nobody seems to care. I, I want to mention the fact that in the last couple of weeks, I have heard from so many of my Christian readers, and I mean Christians that are active Christians. And their messages have been so touching, and so moving to me. And they have said, "We share your pain. Uh, please don't think that nobody's on your side, although it looks like that. Um, we love Israel. We know Israel. Is, you know this is not Israel's fault. And we blah blah blah." What? They, they, I've had lovely, lovely, warm messages of support and fellowship and encouragement. And I, as I write back to them. I say you. You probably don't even realize what this means to me because, right now, it's as a Jew, it's very easy to feel very lonely and very scared, um, and and to say to ourselves, "Do we really only have each other?" So every message that comes from somebody who's not Jewish but who recognizes that there's no one side and on the one hand, on the, there's no on the one hand on the other hand here, um, this was this was as you say. Uh, as bad as Hitler, as bad as anything, and anybody who thinks uh, that there's some kind of a justification for what happened in Israel, for political reasons, uh, has lost their moral compass 100% and has been sucked into a cult that is extremely um, dark. And uh, it is very it is very harmful to our civilization, what's left of it. Uh, and, you know, you see people talking about Suicide of the West. If you Google "suicide of the West," you'll see like you get about fifty, over fifty million hits, because this is the sub. This is the title of books, and of articles, and of talks, and podcasts. Uh, and this, what happened, the, the reaction to this tragedy, uh, the the attempt to equivocate on it and say on the one hand, but on the other, I think is if is it is a, an indicator. Of just how far down the slope we are from where we were before in terms of our moral compass in terms of what we knew that decent people do and that decent people don't do um and and the bright line uh, between protest and um atrocities yeah
0: well listen congratulations to you on your columns and the national post i have to say has been excellent
1: Oh, they've been amazing they've been amazing
0: um I was pretty down, I was pretty down a week ago. I was quite depressed. Um, and my thoughts were mainly for here at home because it was not the perfectly safe country I grew up in. I think I was born in a very lucky time and grew up in a very lucky place. And um, we're in difficult times again. I think we we lived in an anomaly of history. And uh, we were reverting to history's more natural state, Hopefully, we don't go full Thomas Hobbes, the Leviathan, yeah. where he talks about life being nasty, brutish, and short—a well, war of all way. against all.
1: Feels that way. Feels that way. I, I agree with you that you grew up in a good time. I, I, my life started during a very dark time. It was during the Holocaust. But my, my youth, uh, I believed that anti-Semitism was over. That uh, it was really going to be never again. Um, and most of my life has been lived in, in, in terms of that issue has been uh, the world is, is is a better place for Jews and all of that. Now I see that I will not in my lifetime ever see Israel uh, proud and strong or morally strong again because the, the fallout from this psychologically for Israelis is going to pursue them for many, many years to come. Uh, so I that that bubble has burst. Uh, it's burst in terms of Israel, and it's burst in terms of how I feel about being a Westerner in general and a Canadian in particular. I I, am, I share your sense of pessimism and it, it's I know it's a sin to despair, and I, I try to find the bright side. right now, it's very hard to find a bright side a bright side to anything that's going on, and I can think of many potential dark sides. So that's not a very happy note to leave you on, is it?
0: Well, we'll do our best. I mean, we keep on fighting. We have to do it. We wake up every day and we fight. And that's our fighting spirit over here. And one of the things we're doing is we have a reporter over in Israel, Avi Yamini, who's been there all week. Uh, We've set up a special website for him, thetruthaboutthewar.com. That's what can we do? Well, we can have a reporter to show what's really going on rather than relying on Hamas, Uh, spin that's being cycled through the Western media. So that's one of the things we'll do. And if we have other big ideas, we'll share them with you. Barbara, great to see you. Keep up the fight. My friend, keep your spirits high, and we'll do our best as well.
1: Thanks. Thanks, guys. All right. Misery loves company.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I I have been miserable because uh, I think my utopian um delusion I mean let me just throw one more thing at you Barbara I know we we just said goodbye but a month ago we led a mission to Israel and then to Dubai we went for a week to Israel with 40 enthusiasts and we took six journalists and then we flew from Tel Aviv over Saudi Arabia landed in Dubai and spent three days in the United Arab Emirates we went to a Holocaust museum in Dubai we went to a synagogue in Abu Dhabi we met we we stayed at a a Hilton hotel in Dubai with a kosher kitchen. We met a Chabad rabbi. And I honestly, truly in my heart felt that we were in a post-historic moment where peace was coming almost the end times. The lion lying down with the lamb, beating swords into plowshares. Imagine that walking through a Muslim country and seeing a mosque and instead of being afraid, being interested and curious and excited by it and feeling totally safe and feeling like we were in a new era and going home, feeling a sense of healing. And then from but, that,
1: but, that- That is where that's, you just, in the last minute, you just you just gave the actual reason why Hamas felt they had to do this. That's yep. exactly what they're afraid of. That's yep. exactly what they, 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 they can't stand. Yeah. thought of the other Arab nations making peace with Israel and for normalizing relations. That was actually uh, their motive in putting this horrible thing together. But I agree with you. A couple of weeks ago, we were on top of the world. We were, I mean, it was like a miracle, as yeah. you say, and you lived it, you lived it, you went over there and you saw the potential, you saw how life could be. Yeah. Um, and it was beautiful. It was beautiful. Well,
0: well, it's not over. I should tell you that uh, while there have been pro-Hamas rallies in Toronto, Vancouver, Montreal, Edmund Calgary, etc., there have been no pro-Hamas rallies in Dubai or Abu Dhabi, and that's something to think about. Barbara Kaye, will let you go. Thank you so much, my friend.
1: Thanks, Ezra. You go.
0: All right. Well, a heavy show today, and forgive me my kvetching, but uh, I wanted to tell you how I felt, and I was inspired by Barbara Kaye's column in the National Post, which I recommend to you. That's our show for today. Until tomorrow, on behalf of all of us here at Rebel World Headquarters, to you at home, good night, and keep fighting for freedom.